Welcome to this podcast from Neurogastroenterology and Motility. It publishes original research and topical reviews on basic and clinical aspects of gastrointestinal sensation and motility, as well as brain-gut interaction. So uh, welcome everyone to this month's podcast on Neurogastroenterology and Motility. Um, My name's Adam Farmer and I'm a consultant gastroenterologist at the Wingate Institute in London. Uh, This month it's my pleasure to welcome uh, Dr. Denise Strebos from the Nutrim School of Nutrition and Translational Research in Metabolism from Maastricht in the Netherlands. So Denise, uh, many thanks for joining us on the podcast this month. Uh, Congratulations to you and your co-authors on your really interesting paper entitled Percutaneous Endoscopic Colostomy for Adults with Chronic Constipation, a retrospective case series of 12 patients. So Denise, uh, could you provide us with a summary of uh, what uh, chronic treatment refractory constipation is? Yes, of course. Uh, Thank you very much for uh, inviting me um, for uh, this podcast Um, and considering treatment of the chronic uh, refractory constipation. At first, we um, apply dietary changes and uh, oral laxatives. Uh, Secondly, we use rectal enemas, um, which are then added to the treatment uh, regimen. And the last conservative option we uh, we use here is uh, retrograde lavage, um, which can be efficacious, but sometimes uh, sometimes um, yeah really time consuming and often large volumes are needed, which uh, results in considerable patient discomfort. So, what surgical procedures are currently out there to treat such patients, and and do any of these procedures have any particular downsides at all? Um, yeah, so uh, when all these uh, conser- conservative measures fail, um, surgical treatments uh, are considered indeed. And um, options available are an appendicostomy, also called a Malone stoma, um, and an ileostomy with um, yeah, either a colonic exclusion or segmental um, or total colectomy, um, which um, actually seems to be the p- uh, procedure of choice is a total colectomy uh, with an ileostomy. Uh, definite or temporary, um, which has some downsides as well. Um, complication rates are quite high, uh, reported at rates of uh, approximately 54%, um, with also a resurgery rate uh, reported of 29%, which is quite high. Um, and also we see that constipation persists in like um, 4 to 15% of, of patients, um, sometimes needing further surgery. And an ileostomy also may lead to diarrhea, um, which seems to occur in about 10% of patients. And the other option I just uh, call is the Malone stoma, um, which um, has also uh, limitations, most mostly um, occurring stenosis, occlusion, or spontaneous closure of the appendicostomy. Um, have been reported in 30% of cases. Um, also. It has it has a high success rate um, around seventy percent or higher, but um, yeah, the complications are a problem. Um, so it is considered an alternative therapy for patients with a with a high operation risk. Um, but because the complications and the fact that uh, patients need to uh, cannulate the stoma themselves and um, often leakage occurs, um, makes it a less uh, yeah. Uh, less preferable option than the uh, colectomy. So that's really interesting. I think many of our listeners will be familiar with um, uh, percutaneous uh, endoscopic gastrostomies or or PEGs. Can you tell me a little bit about percutaneous endoscopic colostomies? Uh, 
Yes, yes, of course. It's it's um, it's actually a technique we derived uh, was which was derived from uh, the percutaneous endoscopic gastrostomies, um, and we actually use the same standard uh, technique um, that's used in pack placement. So the standard pull technique um, is used to place the uh, percutaneous endoscopic colostomies as well. Um, and we actually place the the yeah the pack tubes um, in the colon ascendants and um, with that yeah the, the same technique and then you can use the tube uh, for endograde colon uh, lavage. Um, mostly patients need approximately one liter to irrigate their colon uh, per day, um, and thereby it's it's less volume and less time consuming than the uh, retrograde lavage and. And yeah, seems a, seems quite a good option. So why do you think this has been largely ignored in uh, standard clinical practice to date? Well, um, we believe it's it's due to several factors. Um, first, and I think the most important uh, factor is the fact that uh, previous studies report uh, relatively high rates of fecal peritonitis in approximately you know, 10% of cases, uh, which can be very severe complication. Um, and besides that, I think um, many of us, uh, many of the gastroenterologists don't really know the technique or think it's difficult to apply. And um, other authors also reported this technique, but we believe. What were the aims of your study? Uh, primary aim we had was to report our experience with the uh, percutaneous endoscopic colostomy and patients with chronic refractory constipation. <clears throat> So that's really answered my, my next question in terms of what was your study population. But could you um, give me an idea of what kind of patients were, were included in this analysis? Um, yeah, well, we uh, included, uh, we had only a small population of 12 patients, uh, all with chronic refractory constipation. Um, most of those the patients were uh, female, like 75%, um, with an age of a mean age of 65, ranging from 28 to 70 years. Um, all failing conservative therapies um, previously. So these were quite a challenging uh, population by the sound of things. But what were your key mm -hmm. results to come from your from your study? Well, in, in our uh, patient group, we uh, found that PEC offered a, a safe uh, alternative to surgical intervention. Um, in all patients, we saw a, a moderate to good effect at short-term uh, follow-up and uh, for the long term follow-up, we saw that approximately 50% of patients were um, having a very a, a good response to the PEC therapy. Um, so actually, a short-term, very good, and at the longer term, approximately 50% of patients had a good response. Uh, what were the limitations of the study as, as you and your co-authors see it? Well, um, at first, we think that the uh, retrospective nature of the study um, and a small number of patients are, uh, of course, a limitation of this uh, this study. Um, well, and yeah, followed by the fact that it's retrospective, we had hadn't um, got very well patient-reported uh, outcome measures, so that made it uh, difficult to uh, get a uh, yeah to report outcomes uh, well. Um, besides that, the exact etiology of the chronic constipation was not uh, systematically investigated, so uh, it was difficult to make a very uh, yeah, good estimation of all the etiologists and thereby compare all the patients uh, all together. 
but nevertheless, <coughs> I think your your results are, are very interesting. And and how do you um, see the potential implication of this? The your results uh, with day to day patient management in other centres. Uh, well, uh, we believe that um, in the patient with chronic refractory constipation, PEC could be a potentially a worthwhile alternative and should be considered as an option in the uh, treatment algorithm um, because it's minimally invasive, um, has sh- shown in our study low complication rates and um, should, in our opinion, be considered as an alternative option um, between the retrograde lavage and the surgery, actually. So, what, in, in your view, how do your results take the field forward and what are your uh, views on the key knowledge gaps uh, in, in managing these patients with refractory constipation? Well, I guess our uh, study provides um, a new insight on, on using the standard uh, pull-pack technique, um, the same techniques used in gastro- gastrostomies, um, which we think can be applied by every gastroenterologist who's familiar with placing gastro, gastro- yeah, percutaneous gastrostomies. Um, and besides that, we have used um, antibiotic gases um, after placement next to the intravenous antibiotic therapy. And we think that might have contributed to the low infectious complications um, and the fact that no fecal peritonitis occurred in our patients. Um, however, it's as we just uh, spoke about, it's only a small group of patients. Um, and thereby, uh, we think that the um, knowledge gaps are still, uh, yeah, should be, should be um, fulfilled with, with more um, extended studies with um, larger patient groups and the more system, systematic um, investigation of all the patients, uh, constipation etiologists, um, like we just uh, like we just discussed, to yeah to determine which patient might benefit from this form of treatment because that might our study is is I think too small to um, give any conclusions about that. And I, and I agree, and I think uh, just addition to that, uh, a multi-centre study, I think, is is now warranted. Yeah. So, so with that, <laughs> I'd like to thank uh, you and your co-authors for a really uh, excellent and exciting paper and also for assisting in this month's podcast and also to our listeners for tuning in. I look forward to welcoming you to another instalment of the podcast next month. Further information about this paper can be found on the journal website. We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast and we look forward to welcoming you to next month's edition.